I always wondered how I'd feel if I ever saw you again. Now I know. Was it something I said? How about the words, I'll be right back? Welcome to Trimming Movie Fat, the podcast where we trim films from franchises that don't belong. I'm Stephen Nicholson. And I'm Paul Nicholson. And today we're readying our laser watch invisible car and dodgy CGI as we take on the four Piers Brosnan James Bond movies. Which movies will survive the ice melting blasts of the Icarus laser? The post Cold War reboot of Goldeneye? The headline grabbing Tomorrow Never Dies? Uh, Denise Richards as a nuclear scientist, The World Is Not Enough, or the much derided Brosnan swan song, Die Another Day. Keep listening to find out. And we'll also share some interesting Bond movie facts, provide an overview of each movie, and share our thoughts on each. So joining us, cycling off a Russian base from a great height into a plane, is Mr. Paul Mellon. How are you, Paul? Hello, very well, thank you. Yourself? Uh, very good, thank you. Uh, are, are you ready to provide some detailed commentary on all four movies? Well, do my best, as always. And did you, did you see all, all of these in the cinema on the original release? Um, yes, I did actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Me too. Yeah, I you, remember. You... I was gonna say I remember um, watching Goldeneye when it came out in the cinema. When I was at university, so that's how long ago it was, and it was it was brilliant, absolutely fantastic. But then, yeah, it sort of dipped a wee bit, then went up a wee bit, then just collapsed completely towards the end. So, after Timothy Dalton retired from the Bond role in 1994, Eon turned to the actor they had considered after A View to a Kill, which was Piers Brosnan. He was offered a three-film contract with an option on a fourth. His salary for the first film, Goldeneye, was $4 million, which rose to $16.5 million for his fourth and final outing, Die Another Day. With Brosnan, the Bond writers knew that because of the changes in public attitudes, he could not be as overtly sexual and dominant over women as Connery's Bond and was uh, denounced by M in Goldeneye as a sexist, misogynistic dinosaur, a relic of the Cold War. Brosnan was seen by many as the consensual uh, James Bond in appearance and manner, displaying an air of coolness, elegance and a grace which made him believable as an international playboy, if not purely as an assassin. The Brosnan Bond films are Goldeneye from 1995 and directed by Martin Campbell, Tomorrow Never Dies from 1997 and directed by Roger Spottiswood, The World Is Not Enough from 1999 directed by Michael Apted, and Die Another Day from 2002 and directed by Lee Tamahori. Uh, Brosnan became the first billion dollar Bond after his first three Bond movies uh, grossed over one billion at the worldwide box office. 
his four Bond movies combined grossed nearly $1.5 billion. His highest grossing Bond movie is, which might be a shock to you guys, it's Die Another Day. Process. We can now present the best sound and picture quality ever on DVD. Get ready for a revolution in the DVD experience. Introducing the ultimate James Bond DVD collection. Featuring breakthrough innovations in picture and sound. With state-of-the-art frame-by-frame digital restoration. No more foreplay. Newly remastered picture. And DTS 5.1 surround sound. But that's not all. We've reached into the Bond archives to bring you never-before-seen footage and much more. Were your eyes only done? All 20 Bond films in all new collector sets. Let's get down to business. The ultimate James Bond DVD collection. So Bond is beeping the horn of his Aston Martin and shouting for us to get on with it. Okay, let's bungee jump off the dam. someone else. tell you Pierce I have not heard one negative thing mm. either about the film or about your performance in it mm. and I really think you guys have a mega hit coming well, 
Yeah, I'm it so happy be, for you. It would be wonderful to, to, to have such a thing in my life. I've never <laughs> had one before, so it would be nice just to have it once in a career. We all sympathized and empathized with mm. you nine years ago when mm. you were not able to take the role, the James Bond role offered mm. to you because you were tied up with Remington Steel. But now, looking back on it, nine years, mm. do you think that it's it worked out for the best that you did not do it then mm. and you're doing it now instead? Definitely, definitely. It feels that way. It felt that way when I came to do the role. Uh, I felt a certain sense of belonging. I had a right to be there. There was pressure. I mean, there was, it was the big shoes to fill. It's, uh, you know, Connery was a magnificent James Bond. Roger Moore made it his own after Sean. So I was very aware of the, the responsibility and the pressure. And some days it was, some days it was quite, you know, palpable. You could feel it. And then you have to diffuse it. You have to get on with just doing the work. Just do the work. Don't look back. Do you think doing Bond today, he would have been different if you had done him nine years ago? Would he have been different? Yes, yes. In what way? I think this is better now. This would be this is a better James Bond from Brosnan now than it would have been back in 1986. I don't think this was a an average picture. It's a routine story, just like you said. Um, well, they're all routine stories. No, Let's face some, it. let me Most tell you. Of them are. No, no, the classic ones, the well, early Connery the first ones. First three, the of first course. Three. Okay. Those are classics, yeah. and those are the ones that I recommend. Mm -hmm. I can't recommend this picture at all. What I'm saying is. It did have some amazing yeah. shots it, in it. Only it really the beginning. Did. Only when the beginning. When the guy beginning. is free falling after that airplane, only that's at the kind beginning. of amazing. That's Roger. You're talking about 30 seconds. If a good friend of yours asked you whether they should go see it, you what would about say the, yes. What about the would chase? You, what about the chasing? Would you have What said about you, the chasing with the two cars? What about the tank? That was if pretty I neat. asked you, should I go see it? Would you tell me yes? Uh, you know what I tell you? Do you like James Bond? Then you'll probably like this one better no. than some of if the. No. If you others. like James Bond, you won't like this. Some information about GoldenEye, so released in 1995 and directed by Martin Campbell. So the plot for this one, when a powerful satellite system falls into the hands of Alec Trevelyan, a.k.a. Agent 007, played by Sean Bean, a former ally turned enemy, only James Bond, played by Piers Brosnan, can save the world from an awesome space weapon that, in one short pulse, could destroy the Earth. As Bond squares off against his former compatriot, he also battles Trevelyan's stunning ally, Exenia Bonapop, played by Famica Janssen, an assassin who uses pleasure as her ultimate weapon. So the gross for this one, uh, well, it grossed 352 million US dollars worldwide on a budget of 60 million. So the profit multiplier, it made six times its budget and was the sixth highest grossing movie of 1995 worldwide with number one being Toy Story. So the ratings for this are very good. Uh, on uh, for, Critically, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's up at 82%. Uh, on IMDb, the critic Metascore has it at 65 out of 100. Uh, on the audience side of things, it's got a really good score of 83% on Rotten Tomatoes and 7.2 out of 10 on IMDb. And here's a fact for you. Mini Driver was paid just $5,000 for her role as the inept singer in Robbie Coltrane's club. And then somebody Stand the by your man. Do, 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 do. <laughs> <Marina>. <laughs> 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 
know. <laughs> I'm just a man. <laughs> so, in summary, the first and best Pierce Brosnan Bond film, Goldeneye, brings the series into a more modern context, and the result is a 007 entry that's a high-tech, action-packed, and urban adventure. So, let's start with our guest, Mr. Paul Mellon. As you already already said that you thought Goldeneye was uh, brilliant. Tell us what you like about it. I just think it was um, a really good story. Um, wasn't as harsh as the last Bond film, um, License to Kill, which was just a bit um, rubbish, to be honest. I was blasphemy. Blasphemy. Not rubbish, but you know, it's not. <laughs> I mean, Bond films are for everyone to see. And I remember when it came out, it was a 15. Mm, the first one. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. But um, in Gold Knives, I'll return to sort of the normal Bond, you know, a bit less violent. That's mm-hmm. something that everyone could see. And from the opening sequence, so the dam, the bungee jump off the dam, mm-hmm. and then the, uh, the raid on that Russian chemical warfare facility. And then from then on, it was just uh, it's a cracking film. What did you think of Brosnan in the role? I thought he was a good Bond, actually. I thought he was really good. Um, sadly let down by some rubbish storylines. Having said that, I thought, I mean, The World is Not Enough is a good film, I think. But Tomorrow mm-hmm. Never Dies is okay. And then Die Another Day is just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not very good as well. So, um, yeah. I think you just let down, of course, there's always the blatant product placement as well. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to make a phone call <laughs> and it's just zero in on the maker's name and then yeah. the badge on the car and then and the watch and everything else. It was just, yeah. And then some of the gadgets just were ludicrous as well. So, yeah. And um, did you ever find the opening sequence quite confusing? Because obviously it has. So, Sean Bean is obviously double-crossing Bond, hmm. but it never really made much sense to me. Why not? Because, so he's double-crossing Bond, and what's the the, the general? Orlov. 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 Okay. okay, so, oh, they make him a general, don't they? So, so he's obviously in on it with Sean Bean, mm-hmm. but are the other Russian soldiers in on it? They must be. I, I doubt it because they'd probably give it away somehow. Or they had to make it look realistic. Mm. Otherwise, they'd give them the whole scheme away. So it's only Orlov that's in on it? I would say so, yeah. Okay. Well, the thing Not is, really. I mean, you look at what was happening, they were trying to blow the place up. Mm-hmm. But that was just a cover for the real scheme. Was mm-hmm. like the satellite or control the satellite, mm-hmm. so that's to make it realistic. Not to make make it seem like um, Sean Bean was dead, so he could mm-hmm. carry on with the, the rest of the plan. So was Orlov, fi- <laughs> if you'll pardon the expression, was Orlov firing blanks? <laughs> Probably, yeah. Well, I would say so. Have to ask okay, his wife. But, yeah. but if. The Russian soldiers are not in on it, then wouldn't they know that Sean Bean hadn't actually been shot? Well, they probably did, but um, so what? 
If we're going to tell Bond that he's still alive. <laughs> See, it was just a couple of things. It's like, mm, no, okay. it is a bit, yeah, because that's supposed to be nine years previous to when the film starts. Well, mm-hmm. after the pre-titles. So that was in the Cold War, and obviously, so that's supposed to be like 1988 or something. No, 1987 or something. Was it? The really silly bit for me is when you dived off the, the bike, mm-hmm. Sky dived into the plane and just flew off. Try to tell me that's not realistic. <laughs> <laughs> well, that might be possible, but... Uh, <laughs> Oh. We should have been from a greater height to give him more time to get into the plane. So, uh, well, well, I'll always remember that. Uh, did you go to see it at the cinema with me, Paul? Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I went to the Odeon in South Clark. Malcolm's Street, reaction. Yeah. Yeah. It was on, yeah. on a I think we went to see it on a Sunday, and and yeah, was Malcolm's reaction to that scene where you know you see Bond floating down to get into the plane. I remember Malcolm just special effects really the wind like, burst out <laughs> laughing really loudly. <laughs> mm. <laughs> I went to see one of my mates at uni and uh, yeah the reaction was it was laughter as well but it was like no mm, way you know <laughs> so that's <laughs> I know um, but what did, what did you think of the, the film uh, Brother Paul? Yeah, I really liked it. I probably liked it better, actually, years later when I watched it on DVD, years later. Uh, I'd go as far as to say it's probably, for me, it's his best one, Pierce Brosnan. I don't know, it's just something quite, it feels quite fresh and it's just good to have Bond back, revitalising the series, although, disagree with Paul, I think Licence to Kill was brilliant. It's one of these ones that I don't think were appreciated at the time. But... This is kind of adapting for that era, the Britpop era, I suppose, 95. Uh, adapting for it. And no, I think it's really good. Well, I would say Sean Bean's accent is pretty dodgy at times. Suddenly goes from sort of posh south, south of England to suddenly Yorkshire in like a second. Changes. Brom to hell, Why James. Would you... <laughs> Why would you say was that? that Yorkshire, was it? <laughs> yeah. For England, James. Mine's a pint, Alex. <laughs> I, think, I, th- I think we went from General Zod to a Cockney there. <laughs> yeah. Stick to Edinburgh, Paul. That's what you know best. Yeah. Was it just, <laughs> Baston? No. Aren't we all, James? <laughs> Marco Van Basten. Oh, that's what it's like. Good footballer. <laughs> so as authentic as groundskeeper, really. <laughs> Uh, what, no, did you think of, what did you think of Brosnan in the role, Paul? I thought he, I think he's he's good actually, maybe even his best performance, because I, I find in the later ones, I know we're kind of preempting the next bit, but a bit smarmy, but as in this one, I don't know, it's kind of, he gets a good balance. And uh, I don't like Judy Dench being in the film, I never have, <laughs> I have to say. She only appears in it once. Once too many. <laughs> I'm sure she's only in that kind of one scene at the um, MI6. Uh, I don't think she's in it the rest of the movie, is she? I'm, I'm pretty no. sure. No. <laughs> yeah, she's only in it once. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think um, the, the thing they've done, it, I think, really, really well with this movie is 
trying to find a way for Bond to work in a post-Cold War world. And I think they've they've Mm -hmm. done that really, really well. uh, Because that could have all went wrong. And he would have seemed Mm -hmm. like a a relic of the Cold War and the dinosaur. So I think they updated it really well. And yeah, I really like Brosnan's Bond. I think in this movie, for me, he's still finding, finding his feet. I think he's much more comfortable and looks more the part in subsequent movies. But yeah, a breath of fresh air, although I think there's still quite a lot of uh, grown-worthy one-liners in this one. It gets worse than the next one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, the soundtrack for this got a kick in. Eric Sierra, French composer. So it was very... A lot of it was very electronic-based. Uh, yeah, either of you fans of it? I like this theme tune, Goldeneye, Tina Turner. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was uh, you, uh, Bono on the Edge, wasn't it? Yep. Wrote, yeah, they wrote it. Goldeneye. I, 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 I like that, that song. I don't remember the rest of the soundtrack that much. but uh, Yeah, the, it says it all. <laughs> it's almost quite separate, the rest of the... Yeah, it's, it's just very dated. And I think I could be wrong. I'm sure it was like a last minute thing as well. I don't think it was like thought out. Uh, it just sounds like somebody's knocking pots and pans and stuff. Maybe, maybe he was. Maybe he was. It's yeah, it's an awful soundtrack. Uh, the, the 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 theme tune's great though. Yeah, uh, I like Tina Turner's uh, theme tune and. One of the other things I liked about it, I'd be interested to, to see what you guys think, is the scene where Bond is fighting um, Sean Bean or Alex Trevelyan on satellite. Um, that is good, yeah. Like this thing at the end. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's really brutal stuff. It's really fast. Mm-hmm. It's really brutal. It's good, um, I think that's, that's one of the best sequences in the movie. Would you agree? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I would say so, yeah. Yeah, always. Yeah, sorry. I was going to say, you can see a transformation in the special effects from 89 to 95, I think, in GoldenEye. Like, yeah, you know, it's not real. The bit where he comes out, you know, he jumps off the motorbike on the plane and all that. But but I suppose the bits that you're talking about on the satellite thing that that actually when he falls and stuff it does look actually quite good you know it's come on leaps and bounds special effects it still looks not real but much better than it would have been in the 80s like a view to a kill on golden gate bridge or something you know another thing for me which i think is excellent about this movie is the cast a brilliant brilliant cast so for you, Mr. Mellon, uh, any particular standouts? Um, I liked um, Orlov, actually. Was it Orlov or yep. Oromov? Yeah, Oromov, I think. Oromov, yeah. Oromov, yeah. I thought he was really good. Robbie Coltrane, of course. Yep. Yeah, Sikorsky. Yeah. Vladimir, was it? No, Valentin. Valentin Sikorsky. <laughs> Yeah, oh, yeah. That, as well. that's, what, that's maybe my, the funniest bit in it where he's asking the wee stooge guy, you know, uh, 
how long the winters last in, in Russia. <laughs> and the guy starts to answer, well, it depends. I shut up. <laughs> <laughs> he has the gun and starts shooting between bras and his legs. Yeah. <laughs> the other side of him and between his legs. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, in fact, that whole scene's really good in the club. Yeah, It's a really good scene. I think that was maybe the first scene filmed for the movie. Yeah, I think you may be right. I'm pretty sure it was, yeah. I'm sure that was the first scene. Um, So, Paul, what about uh, you? Any cast highlights? I think... Sean Sean Bean's good in it. I mean, Mm -hmm. just his accent's quite hammy. But but he's 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 good in it, and uh, like you say, Robbie Coltrane that sadly uh, passed away not that long ago. Uh, he's he's really good in it, and of course he'll reprise that role in a couple of films' time as well. I'm trying to think who else? The Bond girl, she was all right. Uh, I think she was Polish. The Bond girl wasn't she? I think. Maybe. <laughs> Don't know. Alan Cummings, I could kind of take or leave him. Alan Cummings in it. Yeah, yeah I, I actually thought both uh, the main Bond women in this were, were really good. And I think one of the the, the, the things is the, the, neither of them are just window dressing. Both of them do have skills and they do play a part in the plot to advance it. So, yeah, I, I thought they were both very, very good. And, and either of you, have you ever watched the program The Missing, which then in turn became Baptiste? It's on BBC One. I either watched one series of Baptiste. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I think it was the last one, the one with Tom Holland okay. on there. Right. Okay. Was that well, one before? I can't remember. <laughs> I can't remember. Uh, there was one but... recently, wasn't there? One last year, wasn't there? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, there I don't watch that one. The one before that I watched. Okay. Uh, Tom Hollander was in it. Okay. Well, you will find that the gentleman playing Baptiste is playing Defence Minister Mishkin in Goldeneye. Obviously, a lot oh, younger. Right. Yeah. The guy with the beard that's at the head of the table in, um, in the Russian oh, government. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember watching it and uh, after I was having seen Baptiste and watching it going, he looks very, very familiar and sounds familiar. And of course, you look up IMDb and it's him, yeah. So he's Defence Minister uh, Mishkin. Um, yeah. So, yeah, um, I think this is obviously really well directed by Martin Campbell. He obviously did Casino Royale as well. So maybe he should just stick to, to doing the first <laughs> Bond movie of a new actor because what, mm-hmm. what a track record. Huh? Yeah, yeah mm-hmm. definitely. And it spawned the best computer game ever. That's <laughs> right. now. There's a good documentary about that. I think it's on Netflix. Is it on Netflix? It's on one of the streaming channels. It's about Golden. It's, it's good. Yeah, about the, well, the, the, game. the game or the film. The, the game. All right. Yeah. Well, well do you want classics. a do you want a bizarre fact? Guess what's being re-released tomorrow on game. Xbox and is it not Stitch? Is it Steam. Whatever it's oh, called. Steam, I think. Yeah. Theme, yeah. Uh, so it's uh, being released tomorrow, apparently. There you oh, go. All right. Is it? Relive your youth. Go for it. Yeah. On the Xbox. Xbox. Yeah. Oh, I think Jamie's got one of them. So 
I'll, I'll buy go. it for you first. Yeah, <laughs> 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 Usually for you, but on his mum. You're generous stuff, aren't there? <laughs> so, gentlemen, we need to rank uh, Goldeneye. So, is it a um, a top or middle or lower tier James Bond movie? So, let's start with uh, Brother Paul. Where would you put it? Top. Top. Paul, what about you? Yeah, top number one. Uh, I would agree with you. I'm going top as well. So Goldeneye is definitely uh, top of the poppermost. So let's move on to the... Can I just run for a wee wee before we do the next one? Give me a sec. I don't don't think that was released, was it? That was... uh, (laughs) the French I'll be quick. (laughs) Yes, okay. Action stations. Aye, aye, sir. Sound the general alarm. The Chinese pilot insists we're inside their territorial waters and he will fire. An act of violence. Torpedo, torpedo, torpedo. It was an unprovoked attack on a ship in international waters. The promise of war. And instead of decisive action, all you want to do is investigate. My goal is to prevent World War III, Admiral. Now, the world has only one chance for peace. When will our ships be in position? 48 hours. And just one man for the job. Bond. <laughs> James Bond. How much do you know about Elliot Carver, W7? Worldwide media ban. Most newspapers, radio, satellite TV. There's no news. Like bad news. I understand you once had a relationship with Carver's wife. Was it something I said? How about the words, I'll be right back? I'm from the New China News Agency. Looking for a news story? Could have taken care of him. Let the mayhem begin. Your new BMW. Will you need collision coverage? Yes. Property destruction? Definitely. Personal injury? Accidents do happen. No, I'm 007. You seem to have developed a certain attachment. I get to work with a decadent agent of a corrupt Western power. I think you found the right decadent, corrupt Western agent as a partner. Phase two is underway. This holiday season. What the hell is he doing? His job. The world belongs. When you remove Mr. Bond's heart, there should just be enough time for him to watch it stop beating. I would have thought watching your TV shows was torture enough. I love this movie. Good. I really, I'm a long-time Bond fan, as I was telling Roger Spotswood. And uh, I just think this one delivers on every level. I I don't know how you could make it better. Oh, well, thank you very much. It's, uh, It's nice to hear. A lot of hard work went into it, and Roger Spottiswood has, has acquitted himself grandly as the director of Bond number 18, Tomorrow Never Dies. Um, it was, but it was bloody hard work, really, at the end of the day. You know, however you cut it, it was a long schedule. How and many months? Oh, it was about 25 weeks of shooting. Wow. You know, that's long. And the expectations were high, and because the first one, you know, Goldeneye, which was my first Bond, um, 
did so well, and that was a great relief. You know, you want bigger and better the second time round, and um, I think I believe we've done it. I saw the movie about three weeks ago, and it moves. It's got great action. It's got great character. It's got great style, and it looks like no other Bond movie I've ever seen. So the question is, should you turn up to watch it? Well, yes, you should. Story-wise, and thanks to rewrites, second thoughts and more rewrites, it may be a load of old cobblers, but Tomorrow Never Dies, boisterously directed by Roger Spottiswood, is highly enjoyable, not least because Pierce Brosnan has grown impressively into the role, lending it the kind of subtle gravitas it has lacked since Sean Connery's day. Around Brosnan, the usual suspects are comfortably in place. Judy Dench as M, Richard Llewellyn as Q, and Samantha Bond as Moneypenny. The action, stunts, explosions, general violence, exotic locations and complicated gadgetry are well up to standard, while the shameless product placement goes way beyond the call of duty. Furthermore, the deceased body count is astronomical, while the seduced body count stands at three. Bond, ostensibly on a language course, is first seen nibbling on a delicious piece of Danish pastry, Cecilia Thompson, leading Moneypenny to remark... You always were a cunning linguist, James. Mind you, since we don't actually see him practising cunning linguism, if that's the word, how does Moneypenny know? I think we should be told. Anyway, Bond then moves on to more substantial crumpet in Terry Hatcher, an old flame who is now Mrs Price, before finishing his meal with a dish of sweet and sour in the shape of Michel Yeo, a Chinese secret agent and redoubtable martial arts warrior with whom he teams up to thwart the perfidious Price. All quite satisfactory, really, although, and it pains me to say this, Jonathan Price, superb actor that he is, simply isn't menacing enough to be a Bond villain. I've never met either of those real-life media tycoons, Murdoch and Ted Turner, but they both strike me as being far more terrifying than Jonathan Price, and they don't even have to declare war on China. There we go. Um, so Tomorrow Never Dies, released in 1997 and directed by Roger Sporniswood. So the plot for this one, media mogul Elliot Carver, played by Jonathan Price, wants his news empire to reach every country on the globe, but the Chinese government will not allow him to broadcast there. Carver doesn't take no for an answer and plans to use his media empire to fuel flames of war between the Western world and China. James Bond is on to the uh, insane news tycoon and travels to China to stop him with the help of Chinese secret agent Wei Lin, played by Michelle Yeoh. So the gross for this one, it grossed $333 million worldwide on a budget of $110 million, which is very slightly down on the previous movie. The profit multiplier, it made three times its budget. And it was the fourth highest grossing movie of 1997. The winner that year was the movie that opened on the same day of it, Titanic. So the ratings for this one, it's critically on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got 57%. And on IMDb, 52 out of 100. Audience-wise, it has a 53% rating on Rotten Tomatoes and 6.5 out of 10 on IMDb. So everything is down on GoldenEye. And here's a fact for you. Sir Anthony Hopkins was originally cast as the villain Elliot Carver, but walked as there was an incomplete script prior to filming. He appeared in The Mask of Zorro instead. And in summary, a competent, if sometimes by the numbers, entry to the 007 franchise Tomorrow Never Dies may not boast the most original plot, but its action sequences are genuinely thrilling. So, Mr. Paul Mellon, is it a thrilling movie for you? Um, I think it's an okay movie. 
Um, it's an okay Bond film. Uh, not sure about the storyline that much. Um, and I think Jonathan Price was a wee bit on the hammy side mm-hmm. as the villain. Um, and the theme, the, the Bond theme wasn't great either. So, yeah, it was a um, middle-of-the-road film, but as you say, the action sequences were really good. But I did like the opening sequence when he's mm-hmm. at the, the airfield with a flog and all the, the military hardware. White Knight, White and, Knight. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Judy Dench and uh, Jeffrey Palmer. Yeah. The two of them playing off each other. That was, that was that good. Was funny. Yeah, yeah that yeah. was good. Of course, they were in that program, weren't they, together in the 80s? Yeah, time goes by. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, they were good. Uh, And and to me, I mean, really, you're talking about the action sequences. This is very much an action movie. Uh, You know, by and large, very much one action sequence after the the other compared to many other uh, Bond Bond movies. Um, uh, What do you think, uh, Brother Paul? Like it's one of these films that I liked it at the time, but it's yeah, for me it's quite quite poor now. And like what Paul was saying, Jonathan Price is actually a good actor, but in this he 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 goes almost too much. He's over the score almost. It's you know he's just hamming it up too much, and that kind of detracts away from I don't know. You taking him seriously? It's almost like. It's like a cartoon character. And uh, Terry Hatch, I mean, I know there was a lot of rumours that she and uh, Pierce Brosnan didn't get on. Uh, I think, she, was she not pregnant at the time? She was. Yeah. yeah. So they filmed a lot of it, like, above, I think. But, uh, no, it's one that's not aged. It's not aged very well. Like I said, I really liked it at the time. I liked it so much I saw it twice, but and I think what you have to take into account as well for these films is we're watching them after having seen the Daniel Craig films, and I think having seen the Daniel Craig films, that's what maybe makes these not seem as good. Yeah, I mean, I think I think the Terry Hatcher thing, uh, she didn't have a good time on this movie at all. Uh, and I think another thing for her that was a bone of contention is the way they had her hair. Uh, which she wasn't happy about in the movie, which I can totally agree with. She just let her keep her normal hair. She would have looked better. So I'm with what her on that one. It's kind of tasseled a bit, isn't it? Rather than just being... Normally she would have had it straight. Mm-hmm. It's kind of puffed up a little bit. <laughs> but she's getting paid all that money. There's me, the hairdresser, stuff. you know? She's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. had that problem. Yeah, that's the only thing she's moaning about. Then, <laughs> what does that say about her? Though, I mean, <laughs> she paid a lot of money to appear in a film. She's moaning about her hairstyle. Yes, I'm. I'm sure she was ably compensated for her time. Yeah, <laughs> and so, and and the thing is, I, I hear what you're saying. What you guys are saying about uh, Price, you know, having it up. I actually quite like that. He's got lots of funny one-liners, and just it does look like he's in, he's enjoying himself. So, fair enough. Yeah. And I think for me, for the movie. Um, I've always really, really liked this movie, and and yeah, it's very much, and, and maybe because it's just so much action in it. And I think another big reason I like it, I think Brosnan for me is much better in this one. 
he, he actually purposely put on a bit more uh, weight, a bit more muscle. So I think he looks a bit more like Bond in this one, less skinny. Uh, he's much more comfortable in the role. And so I think that as well helps. And I think this movie has the best Bond soundtrack since Moonraker. Uh, David Arnold came on board for this one. And it's a brilliant, brilliant soundtrack. So I think that helped a lot um, with it. So, yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of uh, this particular one. I think what you're saying, Bob, at the, 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 the beginning, it's like a mini movie in itself, isn't it? The arms bizarre. Yeah. Uh, yeah. On the Georgian border or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, somewhere. Uh, Kazakhstan or something like that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And, you, and, you, and you get the immortal line when Piers Brosnan ejects the, the guy from the, the fighter plane who's trying to strangle mm. him. Backseat driver. <laughs> <laughs> I like the other one. Um, Jeffrey Palmer said, "Was he somebody doesn't have the balls to do it, or whatever?" Oh yeah. And yep. Ben says, "Well, at least he doesn't have to sink with them or something like that." <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, he, he, here's one for you. See the 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 Royal Navy boat at both the the beginning, the one that sinks, the mm-hmm. Devonshire, isn't it? It sinks. Yeah. And then the one at the end, which is going to try and sink Carver's ship. The number mm. of actors who are kind of bit part players on those Jared boats. Butler. Yeah, Jared one Butler is one of them, but there's actually quite a number of different people there who've went mm. on to... I think Hugh Bonneville's one of them as well. That's right, yeah. yeah. yeah actually, uh, going back to that, what well, I was saying earlier, was that it was actually um, Palmer's having to go at M. Yes. Wasn't it? He said, you don't have the balls to do the job. That's right. So at least I don't think with them. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. That was it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, one bit I didn't like in this movie, though, was where maybe it went too far on the action front was where Brosnan goes all Terminator. He's wandering around Carver's stealth boat with the, the machine guns, you know, from oh, yeah. <laughs> in all directions and somehow avoiding being shot himself. Aye, but he's Bond. I mean, <laughs> it was like when he was he broke into the the factory in Hamburg. He was trying yeah. to nick the yeah. uh, satellite thing, and he's running along the gantry, and all these guys with machine yeah. guns just kept missing him. <laughs> so I mean, uh, print, they'll print time. anything these days. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I said I like that sequence, especially the the bit where. Even though he doesn't really need to, he knocks over the the satellite this year because it's worth was it worth millions? Mm. He knocks it over to break it. <laughs> yeah, I just like that. And what do we think of um, the obviously the main um, female character in that is Michelle uh, Yeoh's character? What do we think of her? Uh, she was okay. Yeah, maybe not as standout as other. Of Bond girls, but uh, yeah, I thought she was all right. Okay, yeah, Paul. Yeah, I thought she was. She was. She was okay. It, it didn't feel like there was much of a chemistry between the two, though. Didn't yeah. feel mm-hmm. there was much of a chemistry. But I do like the stunts on the motorbike. They are quite good. Oh yeah, that was when, good. that. That was quite good. That they supposed to be in Vietnam or something, is it? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Thailand was it? The Vietnam. Th- Thailand. Yeah. That was Thailand. Oh. Yeah. Or somewhere in the Far East. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, somewhere. Uh, and I know, uh, Paul, you'd said there you're not a fan, really a fan of the the title theme by Cheryl Crow. Uh, are you the same, Brother Paul? 
I quite like it. It's not brilliant. I, I preferred the Katie Lang one, uh, Surrender, which was used a lot in the soundtrack throughout the film. But no, I think it's quite good. I, it's one of these ones as well. I probably liked it more at the time because Cheryl Crow was really like big at that point. So yeah, I <laughs> you were going to wonder what you were going to say. <laughs> Because Cheryl Crow was really um, popular at that time. Yes. With, with, with your tip, Paul, yes. <laughs> if it makes you happy. Paul, Paul with his Cheryl Crow poster on the wall. <laughs> so now I think it's quite, it's, it's good. It's a shame, though, that it was done last minute, so it actually wasn't in the film. Yeah. You know, any of the music from it was not. Yeah. It's a much better song than Cheryl Crow one. Yeah, agreed. Um, for, well, for me, that's really the, that really is the true theme of Tomorrow Never Dies because that's this, the kind of the motif that's used throughout the movie in the orchestral score. Whereas Tomorrow Never Dies um, is songs that's not used in the movie score at all. Okay, guys, let's rank this movie. So I'll start with you, brother Paul. Are you going top, middle, or bottom for Tomorrow Never Dies? Bottom. What on? Hmm. Yeah. Paul Mellon. Uh, middle. Middle. Yeah. I'm going controversially top and squeeze all. <laughs> at least we all chose something different, though. That's what it's about. Different. Exactly. It's, we're, 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 it's all opinions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, let's move on to our next movie, which is 1999's The World Is Not Enough. As the countdown begins to the 21st century, it's good to know there is still one number you can always count on. Bond. Bond. Can't you just say hello like a normal person? Renard is behind this. He will die along with everyone in the city. We do not negotiate with terrorists. His only goal is chaos. I sent 009 to kill Renard. He put a bullet in his head. A bullet's still there. He feels no pain. He can push himself harder, longer than any normal man. No hard feelings, Mr. Bond. It appears that you have been beaten. Stop! Don't make this personal. I can't do that. I just can't help thinking I'm next. New model. In the very latest in interception countermeasures. And six beverage cup holders. I've always tried to teach you two things. First, never let them see you bleed. And the second? Always have an escape plan. For the world's greatest secret agent. You've confused hundreds of these, right? When the stakes are high. Yeah, but they're usually standing still. Life's full of small challenges. And the danger hits too close to home. He has M. By noon tomorrow, you'll feel nothing at all. I thought it was your job to protect me. It's not just professional. Someone's tampered with the bomb. It's personal. I have to get it back or somebody's going to have my butt. First things first. I'm going to find him. Who's afraid now, Mr. Bond? I will not miss. I never miss. Do you want to put that in English for those of us who don't speak spy? Why am I suddenly worried I'm not carrying enough insurance? Your time is up. 
world is not enough. Tell us about the world is not enough. This is like uh, another huge extra, and a lot of fun, by the way. Amazing stunts, Good. as always. Thanks. Yeah, it is big. It's bold. Uh, Michael Apted directed it, and he did a fine job. Sophie Marceau, Denise Richards, um, and Bobby Carlyle, right, right. Coltrane, and uh, concerns the Caspian Sea oil. Now, do you get hurt in any... I mean, some of these scenes, I know, obviously, people know that you stunt people and things, but still, I can see it's you in some of these, and it looks a little... No, you get banged up. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I got dinged on the last one. There was a stuntman. I went one way, and he went the other way, and ended up having ten stitches in my face here. And then the last one, wow. kind of a door whacked me on the face. It was on the driving this boat sequence. Oh. It opens up the movie. I drive this incredible boat that right, would come right. out of... Idaho, it's a single-seater speedboat that you just put your foot on the pedal and it just goes like the clappers. Yeah. So goes like the clappers. It goes like the clappers now. It does indeed. <laughs> so yeah. anyway, it was good fun. I kind of figured out what I'm doing third time round. Well, let's take a look. That means uh, something totally different in America, by the way. Mm -hmm. you know, yeah. Oh, does it? Oh, no, I don't mean it like that. No, 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 no. We're getting Get away from her. She's got the clappers. You don't want to do that. <laughs> She's totally different. It's, no. You know, it's like smoking at well. well, you know. Yeah. But my biggest complaint of all, the World Is Not Enough did not have enough John Cleese. His introduction was likely just a teaser for future films, but I felt his comedic genius should have been used more. So only a marginal thumbs up for me, I'm afraid. I think I liked it a little more than you. I know that Cleese has been signed for the next three movies. Right. He's the new Q. Right. And we say goodbye to Desmond Llewellyn, who was 85 years old. But, you know, I didn't want anything different because, in a way, Bond is a fact of nature. I've been going to James Bond movies all of my life. I've seen all 19 of them. And I kind of expect them to follow the formula. What I thought Apt had brought to it was the steadying hand of probably the best director who has ever done a James Bond film in terms of making it more of a story and not just a bunch of special effects sequences. But why not just go out and rent the old ones and watch them again if you don't well, want something new? I mean, really, I wanted to see something a little bit edgier, maybe something mm -hmm. new, a new aspect. It was nice to see some of the characters return. Robbie Coltrane from oh, yeah. the last one, love uh -huh. him in the Cracker series. He mm -hmm. was great as Valentin. Well, I think this is probably Brosnan's Last outing is James Bond, and obviously the person who should play James Bond is Mel Gibson. <laughs> I disagree no, with you. No, there. he should. He should. And maybe now with Cleese's cue and right. moving on with the new Bond, although I think Brosnan is very good here, right. maybe they will get a little more The edge. best thing, though, Sophie Marceau smolders. She's a wonderful Bond woman. The plot for this one has Bond, must race to defuse an international power struggle with the world's oil supply hanging in the balance. <laughs> It doesn't sound like the most exciting movie, really, does it? <laughs> Even on that one, like, oh my god, the oil, the oil supplies in the balance. Oh god, help us. Um, much like this moment in time, really. <laughs> the the Russia-Ukraine yeah, crisis. Yeah. Uh, anyway, Electra King, played by Sophie Marceau, is the daughter of a murdered oil tycoon whom Bond is assigned to protect. The villain is Renard, played by Scotland's very own Robert Carlyle. Uh, who has a bullet lodged in his brain, rendering him unable to feel pain. Also featuring nuclear weapons expert Dr. Christmas Jones, played by Denise Richards. And Paul's shaking his head already. So the gross of this one, it grossed $362 million worldwide on a budget of $135 million. So the profit multiplier on this is uh, it made 2.7 times its budget and was the sixth highest grossing movie of 1999, with the highest grossing movie that year being Star Wars Episode One: The Phantom Menace. 
So, critically, um, it got 51% on Rotten Tomatoes, so that's down on the previous two movies, 57 out of 100 on the, the critic meta score on IMDb, and audience wise, it's down at 49% on Rotten Tomatoes and 6.4 on IMDb. And here's a fact Desmond Llewellyn, who played Q, died in a car accident just after the movie was released. And then somebody played by mediocre writing, uneven acting, and a fairly by-the-numbers plot, The World Is Not Enough is partially saved by some entertaining and truly Bond-worthy action sequences. What's to you, Brother Paul? It feels like, almost like three different, a few different films in one, almost. Because for me, the best bit's the pre-title sequence. I actually think that's the best bit. And it's the longest one to date at that point. It's like 13 minutes or something. But then, then <laughs> No Time to Die said, hold my beer. Yeah, I know, yeah, that's even longer. <laughs> that is like a separate film. Uh, so the start was good. And it's a shame because I think the character that, you know, the, at the start, the in the bank and he chases her, She that was her out of the film quite quickly and I, I felt she was really good. She could have been good. What I would say as well about the film, it's not till you watch later, and like I say, it's all through having seen Daniel Craig films and obviously the world's changing and the world changed and stuff, but Pierce Brosnan, like, in my head, they actually come across almost more carry-on than Roger Moore. Like, a lot of the lines, like, it's almost like Sometimes he comes across like a sleazy bank manager, you know, <laughs> and and it almost like it's not age well at all. Like some of the lines are almost like you can sort of say, "Oh, in the seventies it was a different time." All the carry on humour, but when he does it, when Pierce Brosnan does it, just quite sleazy and smarmy almost. Uh, but like I say, that's in the context of seeing the, having seen the Daniel Craig ones as well. But in terms of the film, it's okay. It's just a bit ridiculous, really. But there's good bits in it as well. And uh, Robert Carlyle's good. Denise Richards, I don't think we really need to say anything, really. I don't think the film knows what it wants to be. It just feels very mixed. Mixed up, almost. I think the Denise A bit like Richards. my observation. Yeah, but I <laughs> think the, the Denise Richards casting is probably sitting there. Right, how can we get her into water? Yeah, she has to swim in a submarine and it floods. Mm. Yes, she's cast. There we go. Perfect. <laughs> um, and what, do you remember where you first seen the movie, Paul? Maybe at the UCR. Yeah, I think I went, I went to see pretty much them all twice, actually. All the previous Boston ones at the time. So yeah, I did see that in the cinema. I think I saw it in, like when it came out and then saw it again over Christmas. Holidays. Okay, what about you, uh, Paul? I thought it was a good film, actually. Um, maybe a bit long in places. Some scenes dragged out, especially the scenes between Robert Carlyle and Sophie Marceau. They were sort of dragged out a bit, and I don't think Sophie Marceau was all that great in it, acting-wise. So I thought she was good. I actually liked her. I thought she was good. Yeah, I thought it was... Yeah, <laughs> Stephen Spears. 
<laughs> fight, fight, fight. Um, yeah. But I thought it was a, a good story. Um, Robert Carlyle was really good, as well as Robbie Coltrane. Um, no bias to there, are Not at all. <laughs> Two Russians, weren't they? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like Sean Connor in the Hunt for Red October. I'll let you in. We shall Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought it was a good film. I thought it was good. Um, good opening sequence. Mm-hmm. Um, not a bad theme tune either. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was better than um, Tomorrow Never Dies. Okay. Better story. Okay, mm-hmm. might be, but by the numbers. But then look, all the other Bond films are all pretty much by the numbers as well, aren't they? So. Yeah. It's not something you can really complain about for this one as well. So yeah, I yeah. thought overall it was a good film. Okay, well, I, I did see this on original release, and uh, I remember it quite vividly because this was—I had only just started going out with with Allison, and I think this was the first time Allison got to meet most of my friends because we all went to see the, this movie together. Uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't no DM back then, but it was the cinema at Wester Hills. So I, I remember that. I remember enjoying it at the time. Um, I, I don't like it as... It, it's, it's okay. It just doesn't quite all come together because there is good elements in here that I enjoy, but then some stuff that just falls a bit flat. Yeah, the opening sequence is brilliant. Um, I think the... But then you have a scene, you know, the paragliding? Uh, in the mm. snow. That's um, quite good. Yeah. And, uh, see, for me, that falls a wee bit flat. Um, for me, I just don't find it all that exciting. But uh, I like Brosnan in this. Uh, again, I think, you know, he, he is good, solid. Uh, I think it's good when he was cold-blooded and just killing Davidoff. Bang, bang. <laughs> That's you. Thanks very much. Uh, although there was the horrible Russian accent. He did when he was talking to Denise Richards. Goldie. Yeah, when oh, he yeah. to be the scientist. Oh, I was yeah. like, oh no. What the do we do here? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's, it's like he was channeling, like... channeling Borat. <laughs> did you like Goldie's accent in it? Oh, yeah. Goldie. Yeah. Yeah. That was an accent. I, I don't know what it was. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it was an accent. I don't know if it was maybe the right, the, the, the right one. Um, so... Never talked to, to you, Paul, about the theme tune. Did you like the, the garbage song? <laughs> did you think it was garbage or did you like it? It's, it's decent, it's, it's a decent one. It's not one of my favorites, but it's very much what's time, I guess, at that period because it was garbage were really big at that point. Not one of the best ones, but it's just like average, really, to be honest. Yeah, it's decent. I like the middle eight in it and. Here's a question for you. We're all in agreement that the pre-title sequence is really, really good in this movie. Now, here's a question. Why did Cigar Girl have to be waiting outside MI6 in a boat with a machine gun after the bomb's gone off to kill King? Um, Other than a plot contrivance. To get away from... Doesn't need um, to be there. Right, because King's going to be up by the bomb. Yeah, they get, yeah. Right, so why why is she there? 
because she saw Bond in Bilbao and fancied him and wait, wanted to wait for him coming. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're right. Yeah, yeah that, 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 I've often thought that when I see it. Why is she even there in the first place? But hey ho. Um, and also, this movie was the final appearance of Desmond Llewellyn's Q, which was really oh, sad. sad. What, what, what do you think? Uh, and, and maybe, you know, you actually see him uh, mm. going down and saying, what have I always taught you, 007? Never uh, sh- let them show, or never show them that you're bleeding or whatever it is. Um, what do we think of his, his kind of part and scene with Bond? Very poignant, was, actually. Yeah, it was poignant. Just the way it was almost like he yeah. sank down, you know, in the, the lift. Yeah. Because yeah. I, th- I think, it, although he he died after the film came out, but he was, I think that was maybe going to be his last film anyway, I think. I don't think he was going to do any more, but it just felt so fitting that that scene almost, it was like quite eerie, almost like a premonition what was going to happen. Almost. I know. And what about Robert Carlyle as Renard? Because for me, I mean, Robert Carlyle is an excellent actor, as we know. But in this, and I think for me, Sophie Marceau as well, it just seems very, there's no depth. It's all very surface. Uh, nothing all that much memorable. Am I am I on my own here, or do you guys feel the same? Could you imagine Sorry. them together? Hmm? No. The, Could you imagine together, them together? Separately. No, I couldn't actually. Um, I thought he was good. I thought he was better than Sophie Marceau. Um, but yeah, it's, I mean, you know, it's a Bond film, you know, it's not um, Shakespeare, so it's not going to have much depth to a Bond villain other than they're bad. You know, there's no sort of subtlety about it. And yeah, I thought he was a decent villain. But like you say, not particularly memorable compared to yeah. say something like Jaws or yeah. some of the other bigger baddies, Blofeld. Um and, but I thought it was okay. And was it just me that thought the Sophie Marceau was actually the bad guy telegraphed when you watched the movie? Were either of you surprised when that twist happened when you first watched it? I can't actually remember. I think I was a wee bit surprised, yeah. Okay. And look, because the other thing with it, right, is at the end of the movie, obviously Bond shoots her. You know, I, you know you'll miss me. I, I never miss, which is a good line. And for me, you, you, there's not really, you're not really sad that that's happened or sad for Bond or sad for her character. And I think if you compare that to Vesper Lind in Casino Royale, where we are, genuinely sad for both Bond and for her because we actually, you know, have bought into their relationship and we buy that relationship. You just don't get that. They've got a good chemistry, though, haven't they? They had a good chemistry. And it's written better. And it's given time to build. You don't get that in the world, so it doesn't have anywhere near the same kind of impact. Do you think as well, the difference with... uh, Casino Royale, the love uh, relationship there is that she was trying to protect him as well, mm-hmm. even though she kind of double crossed him, if you like, but she was actually trying to save him. Whereas Sophie Mar, <laughs> there isn't really any redeeming factors in Sophie Marshall, is there really? 
Yeah. I think there was more time for the relationship developments in Casino Royale because mm-hmm. it was part yeah, of the story. True. That is, yeah. It was the whole point of the story. Whereas yep. in the world is this not was enough, just like it was yeah. just another Bond mm-hmm. conquest, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, that's right. There was there was no love in it almost, but yeah. it was in Casino Royale. It was like a a loving relationship, whereas this one it was just like, oh, here's another one. We want the next one too. <laughs> I get to snog Sophie Marceau. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> Woohoo. Uh, I liked the, the end. I mean, it always, uh, I mean, it got a good laugh in the cinema when I went to see it, which is the end scene where they try to track Bond down. And, oh, it's not Q, it's R. Uh, John Cleese is using the gadget. Oh, it works. It measures body heat. It's like, where, mm. let's see. Oh, there's, there's Bond's Aston Martin. Oh, and there's you know, obviously somebody sleeping near, nearby, and of course the image is getting redder and redder, mm. and then you can see that uh, obviously there's more than one person there. <laughs> that was quite good, and you get the mortal line, oh, something. Oh, I thought Christmas only. I know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> boom, boom. I know. I mean, that could have that that could have come from Carry On Something, couldn't it? I mean, that, that you know, any Roger Moore film. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like twenty years too late. But uh, yeah, oh, that's a funny line. I like that. <laughs> I know when I went to see it, everybody laughed in the cinema. Um, so let's rank it then, guys. Uh, I'll maybe go first this time. So top, middle, or bottom? I would unfortunately have to place this in bottom for me. Put it in your bottom. <laughs> or let's, let's let's rephrase it. I'm going lower tier for this one. <laughs> in the world, there's not enough in your bottom. Yeah, top, middle, or bottom. I'll be the butt of the lucky, joke. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, brother. We're kind of bored with our five guys. Um, <laughs> don't get me started on that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and it's yeah, not I'm afraid I'm gonna have five guys gonna... burgers as well. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to have to put two from this... the top and two from the bottom. <laughs> two at the bottom. I'm going to have to put this at the bottom as well. Yeah, you're putting Carol the bottom, bottom is not enough. And uh, and Paul, where are you going with this one? Uh, I'm going to say number two because I think it's slightly middle. better than the world is not enough. You going middle? So yeah, top middle. Okay. Your freedom came at too high a price. The mission was compromised. The same person who set me up then has just set me up again. So I'm going after him. Got your attention. Tell me what you know of James Bond. He'll light the fuse on any explosive situation. Tell me the diamonds. They'll blow it all at once. What happened to you? Bond. And be a danger to himself and others. I'm going to let him mix things up a little. My friends call me Jinx. My friends call me James Bond. Wow. Now there's a mouthful. Who sent you? Your mama. Glad you can make it, Mr. Bond. I see you don't chase dreams, you live them. One of the virtues of never sleeping. I have to live my dreams. Time to draw the line. But it seems you've become useful again. 
Maybe it's time you let me get on with my job. So, this is where they keep the old relics, then, eh? Twist, so, voila! You know, you're cleverer than you look. Better than looking cleverer than you are. James, be careful. A nice palace can be such a treacherous place. I take it Mr. Bond's been explaining his Big Bang Theory. Yeah, I think I got the thrust of it. Must you touch everything? Would you like to show me more? Kill him. Now! 1,000 meters in closing. Put you back into it, eh? Let's get down to business. Looks like we're going down together. Not yet! Enjoying Die Another Day. I say enjoying because I'm still enjoying the memory of some of the things I saw. And extraordinary visuals in this. Really extraordinary. An extraordinary director. A very fantastic director in Lee Tamahori. I mean, <clears throat> I have to start somewhere, so you have to start with him, really. I, I do what I do, but he came in and kind of shook this uh, picture up and has given us an incredible cast in Halle Berry and Rosamund Pike, Toby Stevens, and has brought graphics and panache and just a great flair to the whole picture. But I love the picture. I thought the opening sequence was magnificent. I thought... Uh, the hovercraft, so, that... The, the hovercraft was, was fantastic. I thought the... Yet when it's not approaching near camp, it's too dark as when Bond becomes a POW and is tortured within an inch of his life for 14 months. And the action sequences are just loud, well-choreographed stunts that could be from a Mission Impossible movie. We expect more from Bond. I expect more from Bond, so thumbs down. My thumb is up on this movie for a couple of reasons. One of them, Pierce Brosnan. I agree with you that he is a very good Bond. Yeah. In fact, for the first time in the whole Bond series since Connery retired, I found myself looking at the movie without comparing him. I'm just, okay. okay, there's Fair James enough. Bond. I just accepted him as James Bond. Secondly, Halle Berry is not only very sexy in this movie, but also has much more to do than a Bond girl ever has had yeah. to do in a previous movie. She's got, she's in the action, yeah. she's an agent, she's involved, she's not just a decoration, and that's fun. And then I, I like the stunts. I like it when he's, when he's surfboarding down a melting glacier oh, that's being that looks melt. so cheesy. And I thought, that it was looks so, so I thought cheesy. there's a certain amount of genius to the fact that a guy who has an orbiting mirror that focuses a heat beam on Earth would put his headquarters in a palace made out of ice. I kind of I, like the logic there. I can't there. believe you're using the word genius to describe that. Halle Berry is the fine. The genius. Okay, Halle Berry's fine. She's going to get her own uh, character, I guess, her own movie based on this character. That's good. But you know what? We didn't have enough of Bond in this as well. There's so many other things going on with the action and the stunts and the other characters. Pierce Brosnan doesn't have no, I see, that, I, doesn't I, have that I many lines. It, we don't get enough oh, of that I Bond know. banter. No, we don't get enough of him using his intellect and his oh, suave yes, demeanor to get through things. It's a lot of bang, bang, explode, explode, which we could see in Triple X or a Charlie's uh, Angels movie well, or anything I like Triple X, but you didn't. Yeah, so you well, didn't like Triple X. I kind of like movies like this. There you go. Okay. Let's move on to our final movie, gents, which is Die Another Day from 2002, directed by Lee Tamahori. The plot for this one has James Bond. He's captured by North Korean agents and must serve a grueling prison sentence. He's finally released and is convinced that someone in his own agency betrayed him. He escapes from custody and travels to Cuba, hot on the heels of a zoo played by Rick Yoon, the agent who put Bond behind bars. Meanwhile, Bond begins romancing NSA agent Jinx, played by Howie Berry, as he uncovers a scheme um, concocted by Zoom and British billionaire Grave, played by Toby Stevens, involving a highly destructive laser. 
So the gross on this one, it grossed 432 million worldwide on a budget of 142 million. So that's a 20% increase on the world is not enough. It made three times its budget and was the sixth highest grossing movie of 2002 with the biggest grossing movie that year being Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Uh, ratings wise, uh, critically, it's got 55% on Rotten Tomatoes, 56 out of 100 on IMDb, 41% audience rating on Rotten Tomatoes and 6.1 IMDb audience rating. And a fact, Piers, it's Piers Brosnan's least favourite of his Bond movies. And in summary, its action may be a bit over the top for some, but Die Another Day is lavishly crafted and succeeds in evoking classic Bond themes from the franchise's earlier installments. So, Paul Mellon, what do you think of Die Another Day? I think it started off well. Um... It's a good opening sequence, mm-hmm. and then we said about the theme tune, the better. But then mm-hmm. after he escaped, he went to the hotel in Hong Kong. Quite realistic, and isn't it? Was... <laughs> what was that? Quite realistic. So it's quite realistic when he oh. he suddenly comes out the pier bit and all that, and he walks Aye. up. Are you trying <laughs> to say that's green? Are you trying to say that's green screen? <laughs> Looking like Jim Morrison from. Early woman period, but when he walks in soaking wet, I think, um, and then he gets the room and he finds the agent in the in the wardrobe. You know, he smashes the window. I think Mm. that was pretty cool. Yep. And then, unfortunately, after that, it kind of um, fell down. (laughs) Yeah. And frankly, I don't remember the rest of it. (laughs) Maybe that's interesting. I think it probably grossed. A high amount because it was the 50th anniversary, wasn't it? 40th anniversary it of the franchise. Because it, mm-hmm. it certainly was because of the plot. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I had a good opening, but just fell away after that, I think. Yeah, I, I think it being maybe rather than a two year gap, it was a three year gap between movies and it was the 50th anniversary. There was a lot of hullabaloo. No, it, wasn't. It, was the, it was the 40th anniversary. The 40th, sorry. Yeah. 40th, uh, no. Hullabaloo around the movie, and because they were going to be having nods to previous movies by having certain plot points mm. or certain things that were going to be featured in it, so um, it, it kind of had maybe brought people out just to check that side of things out. Um, yeah. Brother Paul, did you like it? I really liked it at the time. Like you, Dad and I went to see it on a Sunday morning. Did yep. Did I also go? Yeah. 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 Uh, I really liked it at the time. What's that? We we all enjoyed it, I remember. Yeah, it felt like a really good one to mark because there was so much publicity about it being the 40th and they wanted to do a good film to kind of recognise that that, that tribute. But like Paul's saying there, it's a brilliant... It's almost like a precursor to Casino Royale you know, like when he's getting tortured and stuff, you're like, you know, if it started off really quite good and quite gritty and and the theme and the song obviously is one of the best Bond themes. Uh, not. 
I remember at the time when it came out, Elton John said it was crap, and Madonna, like Madonna, stopped talking to him or something. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like, "Ah, oh, that's crap." Or something. She must have stopped talking to a lot of people around that time then. Yeah, uh, I think I think I was hoping for like beautiful stranger type thing, mm-hmm. and it, unfortunately we didn't get that. But uh, it's had a lot of criticism over the years. Sit particularly after the Daniel Craig films, but oh, it's ridiculous, but if you can kind of see it as ridiculous, it's not bad. Do you know, if you can... Madonna's terrible in it, I have to say, or when she's in the the sword fighting thing, oh, it's actually terrible, but... Uh, so she's not speaking to you anymore now, Paul? <laughs> no, no. I know. Well, you recognise her, of course. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're, uh, no, you're not going to get free tickets to our upcoming uh, tour, which should probably cost you about 500 quid for a ticket. But yeah, it, yeah, it's if you can sort of see it for what it is. Yeah, two words invisible car. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's all we should say. <laughs> I think it speaks <laughs> for itself. <laughs> Another two words mm. special effects. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's what we absolute crap. <laughs> that should have been our challenge for this one. <laughs> Say it in two words. Well, let's, let's talk about the invisible car. Yeah, I mean that's just too fantastical. Um, I have to say, and the special effects in this, a lot of them are really, really, really ropey. And the the most maligned is the bit where Piers Brosnan escapes from the laser. Yeah. <laughs> where he's using the top of the craft oh. um, to kind of... It's like surfing. Surf, yeah, surfing the yeah. kind of tidal uh, wave yeah. in the Arctic. Uh, oh, it's it's so bad. Really, really so bad. Um, and talking of, of, of so bad, yeah, I mean, I agree with you on the theme tune. I was so disappointed with the Madonna song because she'd mm. done such a good one for the Austin Power mm. movie. And you thought this might be in a similar vein, which would have yeah. been great, but no. Um, uh, and I think it's also sticking with music. David Arnold's probably weakest Brosnan. In fact, it's maybe yeah, it's, David Arnold's it's un, weakest un, Bond score. Yeah. It's forgettable. You can't, that's how, mm-hmm. you can't even remember it, really. Yeah, very derivative of his first two scores. And another thing, uh, another two words for you, Brosnan porn. What? When he's with Halle Berry on Cuba. That's the first time James Bond, yeah, that's right. <laughs> We're getting to see James Bond in action for the in that respect for the first time. Yeah. <laughs> okay. it's, it's the first it's time normally, he... It's normally alluded to what's going on in the bedroom yeah. with Bond. This time we got to see what was going on. Not literally, but we got to hear... We got to see his face, put it that way. We got to see some stuff. And that's the bit where Halle Berry nearly choked to death because was it a pear or something? They're cutting and feeding each other mm. a bit of a pear and she got, she got a bit of pear stuck at the back of her throat and started choking. <laughs> Real sexy. Pain <laughs> 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 Nick Maneuver. <laughs> Don't worry, Don't think it was a shame. There. There we go. Yeah, it's <laughs> like it's a shame because like Halle Berry, I think is a really good actress, and she'd just mm-hmm. come off 
uh, Monster, what was it called? Monster's Ball. Monster's Ball. It's got some Monsters Inc. <laughs> Monster's Ball. Because when they were filming uh, when they were filming uh, Die Another Day, she just won the Oscar for that. So it's almost like a curse because her character is pretty I, I think it's pretty terrible, actually, the character in this. It's, it's like a cartoon character, like Jinx. It's just, and I, I think she's a really good actress. But... Your mama. I oh, know, I know. It's, <laughs> it's almost like the curse of winning the Oscar, and then your next film was like quite poor. I was probably hired just to do the coming out of the water scene, you know, like Arsenal. Oh, Andrews. yeah. Uh, iconic, yeah. yeah. Um, oh, yeah. She, she, yeah, it is a shame for her because she was given some absolutely oh. stinking dialogue to deliver. She really. Really was. Although somebody who did impress was um Oh yeah, the actress. Moran uh Yeah, Miranda uh, Frost. Rosamund Pike. Yeah, no, she Rosamund was Rosamund Pike. That was her breakthrough movie. She was great mm-hmm. in it. Um, so yeah, she was really, really good. Um and yeah, I mean some of the the, the other things which I found a bit annoying that there's kind of lots of slow motion in this movie. Which was obviously a fashionable action movie trope at the time, um, and I, I actually rewatched this with, for those that don't know, my youngest son Ben, who's not a fan of James Bond, but he kind of watched most of it with me. And now, bear in mind, Ben's what eleven or twelve, twelve year old at the time. His his one line to me was, "Dad, why is there so many cheesy one liners in this movie?" <laughs> Uncle Paul, like Uncle Paul's cheesy lines. I know, and that's from a twelve-year-old. You know, it's like, oh, a guy whose name's Mister Kill. I'm like, yeah, it's not good. <laughs> or, or the thing where, uh, where who's the bad guy again? Show. No, the Toby Stevens. Yeah, Toby Stevens character was. I forget. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> which is, which maybe memorable. says it all. Yeah. Which maybe says it all, isn't it? Was uh, he not? Was he not sort of Korean as well or something? Was not some kind of sort of face swap or something, wasn't it? Yep. The face swap. Oh, yeah, he's supposed, yeah, he's supposed to be the guy, the guy at the start Grave. who. Graves. Yeah. Graves, that's it. He's the guy at the start who's actually, I don't know if anybody watches, the good, good doctor. And he, he actually plays one of the doctors in it. Uh, the Asian guy. Mm. And then obviously he goes to supposed to be Cuba and then he has the face thing and it turns him into uh, Toby Stevens, even though he looks nothing <laughs> <laughs> his, yeah, his accent like, suddenly changes as well. Go from North Korean to, to white ginger. Public school yeah, boy. I know. <laughs> I know. Which, which again that's up there. That's up there with the invisible card, isn't it? Mm. Um I think well, Sean Connery turning really Japanese that. and you only know, have yeah, Japanese. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, and he gets great <laughs> lines like, you know, after using the laser, global warming. It's a terrible thing. It's uh, <laughs> <That's> great. <laughs> you know, you, just, you sit there going, oh, Christ almighty. No, it's when they're doing the fight with the swords. Uh, and, and he's like that. He's got a bit of blood there and he's like, come on then, Mr. Bond. And all that. It's just... <laughs> Just a bit of spot. Yes. 
What do you guys think of Pierce Brosnan in this one as Bond? I thought he was okay. Yeah. To be honest, I don't mm-hmm. remember much about the film at all. I haven't seen it for a long time. <laughs> he was good at the start, like I say, when he was Jim Morrison. Being a bit tough at <laughs> being Bond, but then like the rest of the film, I think it just sort of sort of faded away. You know, yeah. ridiculous cigars and things like that. So, yeah. The fact that you can't remember it, that kind of says a lot. Yeah, it said it all, really. <laughs> yeah. For me, this is the one where he, I, th- I thought he started to look maybe that the the starting to maybe look a little bit long in the tooth to be playing Bond. Actually, he does look noticeably older than he did in the the previous movie. I suppose at that point he was like one of the biggest actors because he'd just done the year before. What was it? The, the remake. Oh, Thomas Crown Affair. Thomas Crown Affair. So you mean which is. Which is a million times better movie than this. Yeah. But you couldn't wear a suit in that because apparently when you when you play Bond, you can't wear like a tuxedo in any other film because it would be associated with Bond. So you uh but like I say, it, it's amazing to think Casino Royale was only four years later, but it feels yeah. like forty years later, you know, the style is yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's rank it then, guys. Uh, die another day, lower, middle, or top tier? Brother Bottom. Paul. Oh, sorry. I'm going to say mid- I'm, I'm going to I'm going to say middle just because it's so ridiculous. It's funny. Oh, sorry, I think we may have misheard you there, Paul. <laughs> and you were saying, you were saying That's Paul doing his ventriloquist actor. Yeah. yeah. It must middle, be his, uh, his microphone must be playing up. You said yeah. it sounded like you said middle tier. <laughs> yeah, um, it's going to yeah. live another day. <laughs> yeah. Relegation zone, my friends. Bottom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, lower tier for for me as as well. <laughs> so, gents, we now need to rank the four movies in order of preference from weakest to favourites so maybe start with you brother Paul what are you going for as your weakest so out of the top? four so uh, from the the weakest to the, the best so number four would be Tomorrow Never Dies number three The World Is Not Enough to Die Another Day and one Golden Eye you'd have Die Another Day second is that right no, no. <laughs> no, I'd have it third. 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 Third, yeah. That was the, yeah, third. Right. I was going to say, he's, he's, he's really under it. He's really underselling it, wasn't he? <laughs> what, what about you, Paul? Um, yeah, the weakest is obviously Die Another Day. And then The World Is Not Enough. Sorry, um, Tomorrow Never Dies. And The World Is Not Enough. And then Golden Eye. Uh, I would go uh, Die Another Day, The World's Not Enough, Golden Eye, and uh, Tomorrow Never Dies. So in summary then, how would we rate Brosnan's Bond uh, tenure? What do you think, Brother Paul? I would say, if it wasn't for him, we might not have James Bond now. He revitalised the series and brought it up to the current current time that it was made 
which was crucial, and it then made Bond almost like from then on the films became big, like box office blockbusters, whether you liked them or not. They were always really done really well at the box office. Uh, so, but I don't think they're great films, and probably not ones that I would watch much. Uh, I'd rather watch the terrific Dalton ones, to be honest. Okay. What about you, Paul? I think it was a good bond and character. I think um, got a good blend of hardness, you know, toughness. Um, <laughs> as in tough. What are you laughing at? <laughs> We're back to Brosnan porn again. I know. I know. Show, shows your hands. Um, yeah, mixed with. Um, it's quite suave, you know, quite smooth. Um, some of his one-liners were deli- a lot of his one-liners were delivered well. Some were a bit rubbish. Um, but I think he, yeah, had a good mix of. Um, it wasn't as maybe as soft as Roger Moore, but not as hard as Sean Connery. Um, I think he was. Somewhere in between. Had a, yeah, he had a good blend of the toughness and being suave <laughs> and smooth and a gentleman. Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think um, he was actually the perfect combination of, of Connery and Moore. It's kind of like a greatest hits of the, yeah. the, the two of them, isn't he? Yeah, kind of the, 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 the harder edge with the, the comedic chops of, of Roger Moore. And I think that was that was the bond that was required at the time yeah. uh, to kind of take the, the movies forward. So, yeah, I think he was just let down by not very good storylines after Goldeneye. Compared yep. to yeah. say like That's true. Uh, Moore and Connery and Craig, yeah, well, maybe all the other ones actually, all of them, Dalton and Lazenby, um, and all the gadgets were a bit rubbish as well, yeah, and just the blatant product placement. And I think he said himself once he he wanted to make Bond a bit harder, mm-hmm. and get rid of all the product placement, and all the silly gadgets, and just go back to basics. Yeah. But he was told no, they want all this fancy stuff because they thought the audience needed it. And I yeah. think that's probably to, true to an extent because of the the weak storylines with mm-hmm. three of these films. And Goldeneye was a really good story, um, really yeah. well made as well. But I think they wanted all the flashy stuff to disguise the fact that the storylines weren't particularly good. And it was a shame Enjoy. because he would have been a really yeah. good Bond if he had like, coronary storylines. Yeah. He'd have been a brilliant Bond. I think it's quite similar to Daniel Craig in a sense that the first film, which was also done by Martin Campbell, the first film was really good and I don't think they ever bettered that. Uh, like for both actors, actually, they never bet whether that was them or whether that was the films or the story, but they, they almost like they peaked in the first film for me. Or the first, the first film was the peak of the films. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think Brosnan um, was better than the material they gave him. I think he was underserved by uh, the scripts to some of the movies, and he deserved better. And I think the Daniel Craig comparison is Daniel Craig got two uh, Bond classics, like Casino Royale and Skyfall, and the only one of Brosnan's that's really regarded as a classic is Goldeneye. So, 
Um, but yes, very good Bond in, in my opinion. Who probably deserve deserve better. Well, time to parachute off a cliff face. Before we go, though, uh, we need to, to thank Paul for joining us today. So thank you, Paul, for sharing your... You're welcome. ...wit and wisdom. Thank you. Of the thank, you. Born. <laughs> thank you, Paul. You're so welcome. You thank you. <laughs> get in touch with us, you can do so through various means, including email, Facebook, and so on. And you can find the in the show notes how you can do, do that. So next up, we are taking a, well, we're, we're changing genre. So we're going from uh, spy adventures to straight out postmodern horror with the Scream, Scream movies. Movie. So look out for that next episode. Uh, I think the new movie is just about maybe coming out next month, Scream 6. So if, we'll maybe try, yeah, <laughs> Scream 6, can like you believe Police it? Police Academy, isn't it? Yeah, I know. So we'll we've just got another one to do, and then it's just uh, seven. We've not even planned this deliberately. Not even planned it deliberately. That that's going to come out, I think, at the same time as the new movie. So we'll be taking a look at the first five screen movies and plotting the trajectory of them and giving our thoughts on them um, in the next episode. So come back for that. So until next time, thanks for listening and keep trimming. Thank you, mister. The name's Bond. James Bond. Xenia Sergeyevna Onatop. Onatop? Onatop.